From Mountain Home to Raft River, we've got all the District 4 analysis you'll need to know. This is the Magic Valley PrepCast with Scott Burton. That's right. Welcome into another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down everything that's going on in District 4 in the state of Idaho. I'm Brandon Bainey, joined once again by Scott Burton. Scott, what's going on? That's what's going on right there, my friend. You say 3-0? and that's what I thought. Yes, you can. No, yeah, took out the defending uh, Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. So, for those of you that are watching the video of this on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page, you'll see Scott's uh, mustard yellow LA Rams ball cap. That's right. Lifelong Ram fan since I could walk. Yep, and your Dodgers are going to be gearing up for probably a wild card game mm-hmm. as well against the St. Louis Cardinals, who I guess won't ever lose again, ever. <laughs> Boy, no kidding. Boy, talk about coming in hot. Yeah. There's That's... there's a team that needs more success, yeah. Yeah, no kidding. That's how the Giants won it all those years. They'd come in as a wild card, just get hot, and boy, you just couldn't stop them. Somebody gets on a roll, much like in high school sports, you start feeling it. It's a, It's a train that's a tough one to slow down. Absolutely. So, of course, you can get the audio version of this podcast as well at our website, idahosports.com, along with wherever you download your podcasts. And the Magic Valley PrepCast now sponsored by the Idaho Division of Public Health. So good to have them on board here on the Magic Valley PrepCast as well. Okay, Scott, right off the bat, I think we got to talk about the IHSAA September meeting. It was held actually in your neck of the woods, right? Wood River High School in Haley. Uh mm-hmm. That's not a bad place to have a meeting. No, not at all. It's a beautiful fall weather up there right now, uh, except for yesterday was probably the worst day weather-wise we've had in uh, months. But uh, you can't complain with the, the Sun Valley area, the Haley, Ketchum, man, beautiful, beautiful country. Absolutely. So so the big takeaways from the meeting yesterday were the petitions for reclassification, right? Schools that are trying to mm-hmm. either move up a level or stay down a level. The two big ones that came from the Magic Valley, let's start with Canyon Ridge. We've talked about a couple of times on this prep cast. Canyon Ridge is the biggest 4A school in the state of Idaho. Uh, they petitioned uh, because their numbers dictate that they should move up to 5A. They petitioned to remain in 4A for another two-year cycle, and they were granted that uh, petition. So what were your thoughts with that? Well, you know, I mean, this is such a a weird deal because, I mean, there was a time where this petitioning stuff never even existed. I mean, you hit the number, that's where you were. Uh, Now it's competitive equity. Uh, Now it is, you know, there's some financial aspects to it. And in Canyon Ridge's case, uh, the argument against Canyon Ridge, or I guess for Canyon Ridge going up to 5A, is that your 5A numbers and their argument is going to be, well, we just haven't had success. Well, the counter to that is, well, whose fault is that? You know, and so you're going to get that with every school across the board. Now, I'm not saying that Canyon Ridge deserved to be up. I'm just saying that that's the counter argument. Um, but in Canyon Ridge's case, it was a little bit different because, you know, yeah, you can scream competitive equity there. They, their baseball team went to state for the first time in ever last year. Uh, football is way down and always has been. They can't even field three teams. But, you know, a lot of 4As are having a hard time doing that right now, let alone 5As. And there are some 5As that are struggling. Uh, they just across the board haven't been state contenders. But I think the bigger thing for Canyon Ridge was the fact that where do they go? 
I mean, there's not a 5A within 100 miles of Twin Falls. And so they would end up being in Highland, uh, Highlands classification in Pocatello. So they would be going that direction for a conference. You know, and if we learned anything from that Great Basin Super Conference 10, whatever we wanted to call it, uh, the travel costs are extraordinary. You know, I mean, we had Mountain Home and Preston in the same conference. I mean, what, did anybody else see something wrong with that? You know, and so now you're going to put Canyon Ridge in a conference where their conference games are 100 miles away. And, and I think that had a lot to do with it as well. So until there's more of that around here, you know, Canyon Ridge was going to win that petition. Yeah, and I think you're right with the petitioning process. Uh, generally speaking, I I am of the opinion of if you're not competitive, then you know that's on that's on the schools for the most part. The only time I would like a petition to go through is like you said, if there's a significant travel cost associated mm -hmm. with like Canyon Ridge moving up, or if a school is over the line, but future projections indicate that hey, in two years we're going to be back down at four A. Mm -hmm then I'm okay with it, with the team staying down, but just because, Hey, we're struggling and having a hard time, you know, I, because, because on the other side of it, it's so arbitrary. If you are a successful program, you get penalized for that. It's almost like, you know, mm -hmm. Shelly got kicked up to four. A. You're winning too much. Idaho falls won the four, a boys basketball title. They got kicked up to five. A. now, guess what? They're back down at 4A. They probably should have just stayed in 4A if they could have looked and, and seen in four years, hey, our enrollment's going to be down. So I don't know. It's just a very arbitrary process overall. And I, I don't I don't like the fluidity to it, I guess. There's no hard set rules. So going no, in. It's not. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see how this plays out going further because, you know, there's not a whole lot of schools that want to petition up, but there's a whole lot that want to petition down. And it's, you know, and, and I get it. But at the same time, it, you're, you're right. There's no hard, fast line anymore. It's going to be who can make the best argument for it. And it's a whole lot of gray area. And so I don't know if the IHSAA is opening up a Pandora's box here, you know, with all of this movement back and forth. And you said it. There's some schools that have been back and forth forever. They don't know where they belong, you know. And so uh, it's, a, it's a tough deal. It's a really tough deal because, I mean, yeah, we, we just uh, found out that Idaho's population has grown, what, 12 percent in the past 10 years? or something to that effect. I think that's the number, you know, and so it's going to continue to change, you know, and so we're going to be revisiting this every few years. And I, I'm, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if that laundry list of people wanting to petition is that long at every cycle. And another wrinkle that's been added in now is the ability to petition for football only. Right. And, and mm -hmm. I kind of, I kind of like that because there are some pro. For example, the big the big one was Wood River, right? They're going to compete in 4A in every sport except football. They're going to petition down and play 3A football. And if you are a program that just doesn't have the numbers, at some point it doesn't become safe to to play a 4A level against schools that have twice the amount of kids as you. When you have multiple players that are having to play both ways against bigger, faster, stronger opponents, you're playing freshmen and sophomores. So I, I get that. I'm okay with that just until you can get your program built up, but it, no more than two years. And then that's your opportunity to build your program up and then, and then get back to the 4A level and compete. But what, I mean, what do you think about it? Well, you know, football is, is a different animal. I mean, altogether. And the funny thing about football is that it, it has changed so much over the last couple of years and I was having this conversation with somebody earlier today just about how different everything is post-COVID. I mean, it's almost like we walked through this, this curtain 
and everything is just bizarre because we can't get kids to come out and play football anymore. You know, so many teams are struggling uh, because kids don't want to come out and play. They don't want to work hard. And it's a, a little microcosm of kind of the society that we've grown into as well. I mean, we, we can't get workers to work. You know, we can't can't move product off shelves because we don't have money to drive truck. I mean, it is a constant theme and it's showing up in our schools. You know, it's it, it's a different, different world we're living in right now. And so when it comes to football, oh, man, it's different the way it is. But with, with River, yeah, I think they're in the right spot right now. But the thing that that does is it it can cause some scheduling issues because now all of a sudden these non-conference games that maybe – you know, Jerome had that uh, Burley had Mountain Home had with Gooding and, and Kimberly and, you know, all the that's got to change just a little bit because now Wood River has to play them and they kind of get precedent on what week they play them because it's now a conference game. You know, so that does throw a little wrinkle into scheduling down here, but uh, we'll get through it. Uh, we're not quite there yet. We talked about it immediately following the meeting. Uh, so we're on it. But uh, it does present a, a little bit of a problem scheduling-wise. Yeah, and like I said, I, I like it. It's just a temporary measure. I don't think Wood River should be allowed to be competing in 3A for eternity. It's just an opportunity for them to try and get more kids into their program. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it'll be interesting to follow all of that as we get going. But uh, here in the now and present, Wood River is a 4A team, and that Great Basin Conference continues to be pretty entertaining week in, week out. Last week, the big game was Minico traveling to Burley, the uh, the river rivalry. They have a, a, a custom-engraved uh, ore that they give to the winner, and that was Minico in this one. That was a game that I did on Idaho, IdahoSports.com, and Minico won 30-15. to 15. That Minico defense is really good, Scott. Uh, you know what? Yeah, and, you know, talking to the coaching staff from, from Minico, they had prepped their defense, ironically, for trick plays all week long. And then what do they do on the very first drive? They give up a trick play for a touchdown. Um, but you were there and how big was that defensive stand right before the half? That, that was kind of the, the momentum changer. Yeah. So Burley uh, had intercepted a pass. It was a, off of a tipped ball. Uh, Khalil Schroeder, who's a pretty good young sophomore, intercepts the pass, returns it to the three-yard line. So Burley has first and goal from the three. Penalty moves it back to the seven. And from there, four cracks at it. Uh, a fourth and goal from the one, and and Minico snuffed it out right before halftime. And and you're right, the, all the momentum because Burley had kind of been hanging in uh, with that flea flicker touchdown and a couple of takeaways defensively. But but after that, you could just feel the energy kind of suck out. And for Minico, I mean, we talk about Brevin Tranquil a lot, and deservedly so. He's a great linebacker. Uh, a couple of guys that I was really impressed with were Nick Gibson, who's also a linebacker, and also uh, Dante Ruiz at nose tackle. I think he's the key to everything Minico does because he has basically two two offensive linemen need to block him every time, and that frees up those linebackers and defensive ends to go in and make plays. Oh, yeah, no question about it. I mean, you get a guy like that. I mean, it, it likens to Aaron Donald for the future champion Rams. But uh, anytime that you've got a defensive lineman like that that – that makes you have to change your blocking scheme and pay attention to them on the defensive line. I mean, that is a huge advantage. And then when you've got such a big cast uh, behind him, Minico defensively is just playing well. They're flying to the football. Um, and, you know, and one thing in that game, and you could probably attest to this, is Minico did a really nice job of controlling field position. Uh, Angel uh, Navarrete, their kicker, 
I mean, obviously kicks it into the end zone off of, you know, kickoffs, but, but punts and things like that, pinning Burley deep and making them work with long fields and, and giving that kind of advantage to that defense Man, that is a tough, tough hill to climb for any opponent, and and Burley really struggled with that. And and in fact, Angel was our IdahoSports.com player of the game because he kicked he kicked three field goals, 42, 41, and thirty one. That's insane. I mean, you, you don't get that. What a weapon to have, you know. And uh, yeah, deservedly so. He he was a huge, huge factor in that game. Yeah. So I I, I think I think it's all kind of setting up for a Minico. Twin Falls showdown. Twin Falls had a really nice 45 to 10 win over Century. A Century team that was without its best player. Bruin Fleischman hasn't played the last couple of games, but still a very impressive win. Let's talk about the other great basin matchup. Jerome finally getting into conference play and kind of a tight game with Canyon Ridge. They they only win 28 to 22. They're one and four now, but they're one and zero in the conference, which is what counts the most. Well, you know, and this was one of those games that that played out just like kind of we thought it would play out you know Jerome and we talked about this over the last couple of weeks Jerome needs to get out to a quicker start than they've been doing and they did that against Canyon Bridge they jumped up 21 nothing and we're cruising but the Achilles heel of Jerome and we've talked about this before has shown itself in every single game and that is depth Jerome just runs out of gas about midway through or towards the end of the third quarter and then in that fourth quarter, they are just getting bulldozed by people because their dudes are gassed. And I mean, that reared its head against Canyon Ridge because Canyon Ridge, you know, climbed back into uh, 28-22, which ended up being the final score. But Canyon Ridge actually had the football, you know, only down by six and with a chance to put a drive together to tie it and perhaps win it. Um, but Jerome defensively stepped it up. But, you know, for Jerome, they're going to try something new this week and they're going to try to play more guys, even though a lot of those guys aren't their first stringers or maybe even second stringers, their bodies, because right now their dudes up front are just getting tired. And and it's a depth thing. It's not a talent thing for Jerome, especially on the defensive side of the football. Um you know, one thing that Jerome did do uh, against Canyon Ridge and what they wanted to do was apply a lot of pressure. They had four first half sacks, three of them coming on third down, you know, and so they knew that that was going to have to set the tone. And that's what you know allowed them to jump out 21 uh, to zip. Uh, Canyon Ridge, good standout performance. Willis had over 300 yards passing for the Riverhawks, um, but Canyon Ridge couldn't balance it out. Only 16 yards rushing, you know, for the Riverhawks. Meanwhile, for Jerome, uh, their young sophomore quarterback, Gill, 181 yards and three touchdowns. So not a bad outing for him as he starts to get a little bit, you know, more comfortable. But like we talked last week, something had to give in that game. Jerome now gets their first win. They're one in four. Canyon Ridge falls to 0 and 5. This Jerome team kind of reminds me of, or, or the program reminds me of where they were three or four years ago, where you had this class that just graduated last year of like Dallin Thompson and Kyle Craig and these guys that kind of took their lumps as underclassmen. But then as they matured into juniors and seniors, you saw it finally all come together. I think Jerome's kind of going through a similar metamorphosis this year. Yeah, they are. They've got some good young players. I mean, they've got a few sophomores that are on the varsity getting significant minutes. And uh, once they kind of start to gel and, and, and get comfortable, they're just going to get better. The thing that they're going to lack and they've got to find is they've got to find more bodies. And this is a problem that we just got done talking about, but it's been a problem for a lot of people other than Jerome. 
Jerome has been one of those places that it's not been a problem fielding three quality football teams, or at least having the bodies to fill three teams. This year, not so much. We are experiencing what everybody else is experiencing as well. So, you know, we'll see what happens with those young kids in the next couple of years. For sure. Mountain Home was also in action against uh, Kimberly in a non-conference matchup. That 2-0 start for Mountain Home seems like it was two years ago because they have now lost <laughs> three in a row, Scott. Yeah. Uh, the latest one, 49-28 to Kimberly. Yeah, and this this one wasn't even close. I mean, let me, let's be honest. Kimberly was up 42 to nothing before Mountain Home got a kickoff return for a touchdown and got themselves on the board. So, I mean, this was uh, just another video game performance from that Kimberly offense. Uh, Bear, fifth straight game of 100-plus yards receiving. He finished with 159 yards receiving, three touchdowns and a pick six on defense. Owens threw for over 239 yards, five touchdowns. And on the season, Owens, in these five games, Owens is over 1,300 yards already and 18 touchdowns. Uh, Bear, 734 yards, 12 touchdowns. Widmeyer, 543 yards, 11 touchdowns. I mean, yeah, I mean, we talk about this every week with Kimberly. You know, offensively is not going to be an issue. Uh, defensively is where the problem was. And I think, you know, shoot, man, they they got something going. You know, and granted, it's against Mountain Home, who's been really struggling lately. But uh, they were up 42 to nothing, which means they're getting stops. And regardless right now who it's against, Kimberly needs to know what it feels like uh, to get those stops. So they're hoping this is a springboard, you know, for Kimberly down the road. Yeah, get some little uh, positive momentum going ahead of conference play. You know, I want to let me say one more thing too. Sure. And talking to you know the coaches um, over the course of this week, you know about their games and stuff. Uh, I do want to mention something about uh, what's going on in Kimberly right now. There's a seventh grade boy in that community, you know, who's fighting cancer right now, and he's pretty much fighting for his life. Uh, the team dedicated their season um, to this young man. Um, his name is Holman Chadwick, you know, and uh, he's, he's been kind of the rallying point uh, of this team. And he was an honorary captain for this football team last week. Oh, I think we lost Scott there. We'll see if we can get Scott back here. Uh, while we try to get Scott back, we will take a break and come back and talk more about this incredible story that's going on with the Kimberly football team. Uh, this is the Magic Valley Prep Cast on IdahoSports.com, brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health, and we will be right back. It's time to start planning for back to school. That's why I got my kids vaccinated for COVID-19. Kids 12 and older can get vaccinated. The vaccines have been researched and tested. They're safe and they work, and I hope everyone will choose to get vaccinated too. Back here on IdahoSports.com, and as you can clearly see, Scott is uh, not there. He's going to try and reconnect and get logged back in. Um, but for Kimberly, it, it was nice to see Kimberly get back on the winning track, and now here is Scott. Okay, go ahead and start over. Uh, you kind of We kind of lost you right in the middle of that story, but tell us again what's going on with Kimberly. Yeah, Kimberly has got a, a young seventh-grade boy in their community fighting for his life. Uh, with cancer and, and uh, you know, he's, the team has rallied around this young man and they've dedicated the rest of the season to him. Uh, his name is Holman Chadwick, you know, in the Kimberly community. And, you know, and uh, coach Bishop says it's one, he's one of the strongest kids that he knows. 
Um, and he was an honorary captain for the football team last week. Um, but his health is starting to kind of deteriorate. And um, uh, he's got surgeries to come. Uh, the boys are praying hard and they're fighting with Holman every play. And um, this kid loves Bulldog football, you know. And so they, they, they understand that there are some things that are a lot bigger than a game. And uh, and they're and they're kind of keeping this this kid close to their hearts right now. And so they know that we do this podcast and they know that we recap the games and they really wanted to to mention that um, to our audience out there that, uh, you know, keep this keep this young man, Holman Chadwick, you know, kind of in your prayers as he fights this battle as just a seventh grader. Yeah, it, it just it doesn't seem fair sometimes, you know, uh, at Highland High School in Pocatello, they've got a young man that's going through the same thing. He uh, was a freshman this year and um, is, is fighting the same thing. And so I know it's it doesn't seem fair sometimes and we'll definitely keep him in our, in our thoughts and prayers. Absolutely. That's tough. And, and so for Kimberly, you're right. It is more than a game. You know, there's more to life than than the game between the two end zones for sure. Mm-hmm. For it's a sure. good reminder. Yeah. Uh, Wood River uh, was also in action in what is going to be a conference game next year, I guess, right? They were playing, <laughs> yeah, they were playing Buell, and Buell gets uh, their first win of the uh, Allen Reynolds era, 36-20. to 20. That, was a, that was a nice win for Buell. You, you could see them kind of putting the pieces together, and it was nice to see it all come together finally. Yeah, you know, the funny thing about Buell, I mean, they've won four games in four years, you know, and so it's – it's not like they've got this culture established. Um, funny little story about this too, is that, you know, um, coach Reynolds I've known for years and years. I mean, he's a guy that's rich with tradition. And so what he's having his kids do um, after the game is, is to sing the fight song to the crowd. And so they gave that a shot. And <laughs> My word. I mean, it was, it depends on whose version of the story that you get. It was a total nightmare. Uh, kids didn't know how to sing. I mean, it wasn't like they didn't know the words. They, they couldn't sing. They, they were shy to sing. It's they didn't know how to celebrate. The whole thing just kind of was a disaster. So the funny thing is they get into the locker room and it's nobody knows how to act. I mean, these kids don't know what it's like to win a ball game. And so, you know, uh, according to Coach Reynolds, he goes, I was doing a few magic tricks to loosen them up a little bit to get them to kind of enjoy the moment. And, uh, you know, and they did, and then they went silent again. But, you know, he goes, that's where I'm at right now is, is I've got some kids, but I've got to teach them how to win, you know, and getting that first one uh, is a huge, huge step. And so, you know, and it was a great performance by Buell, 404 yards of total offense to only 154 by Wood River, three turnovers by the Wolverines, none by Buell. But uh, a cool thing for Buell is they were able to control the clock 31 minutes to 17 minutes in time of possession. You know, uh, Jace Bowers, 17 carries, 100 yards. You know, Babington had a couple of scores. So, I mean, they're getting these performances. But more importantly, for the program, for the community, that's their first win. And they don't come very often in Buell these days. But hopefully that's the start of something new. Yeah, it's exciting to see kind of the rejuvenation with with the Buell program. And speaking of programs that are uh, rejuvenated, let's talk about Filer. The Filer Wildcats, 4-1, Scott, a 53-9 victory over Wendell. Head coach Justin Bransma, we talked about it last week, became a a new uh, papa, and now he's Mm -hmm. he's leading the football team. 4-1, Filer. Nobody saw this coming. No, Filer is rolling right now. And, you know, it was was a – a weird surreal moment for coach Bransman just getting back onto that field. He talked to me about it earlier 
uh, or last week rather, and and he knew it was going to be a little different, and and it proved true. I mean, stepping back onto that field for the first time in about 12 years, you know, it was just overwhelmed with nostalgia, but it was able to focus and get the job done. But he did say that this was one of their most complete performances. I mean, if you look across the stat line and how they scored, they had two passing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns, two pick sixes, and a kickoff return for a touchdown. I mean, if that's not all three phases right there, I don't know what is, as they just absolutely blitzkrieg's Wendell 53 to nine. Uh, spares 160 yards passing, two touchdowns, rushed for another 131 yards and two more touchdowns. Daily on 80 yards rushing and a kickoff return for a touchdown. Uh, Swainston had a receiving touchdown and a pick six. So, I mean, what a complete victory, team victory for Filer. And now we have a pretty interesting game coming up Friday night. Scott, as Filer will host Kimberly. Uh, winner of this game probably has an inside track on a playoff spot. This ought to be a really interesting game. I mean, I, I think at the beginning of the season, we never thought we would be circling Filer and Kimberly, you know, on the schedule. It's always going to be Kimberly and Gooding that very last game. But I tell you what, some people are separating themselves in this conference and some are kind of coming up out of the ashes and Filer's one of those. So I'm really interested in see what happens uh, with this Filer Kimberly game next week. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Gooding, you mentioned continuing to be kind of the class of the league. Uh, they they had a big matchup with Declo, and for Declo, a team that had already knocked out uh, Kimberly, gotten a three uh, a win. Uh, the Hornets suffer their first loss as Gooding. I think we we knew Gooding was good, but now the way they performed against Declo in a thirty six to six win, it's it's been taken up another level. Oh, th- this was just an absolute dominating performance by Gooding. And it was just one of those things that proved how good Gooding is. You know, I mean, Gooding's one of those teams that they, I mean, they've got 14 varsity offensive linemen, 14 varsity offensive linemen in a three, a program. And they, they just have got guys. They just have size. Um, and, and it's one of those things that we talked about. It was going to be this physical battle with Declo uh, because we, we know that declo has got a, a fantastic running game. They've got size up front. Matthews is just carrying the mail for Declo. But check this stat out. Um, Declo was averaging over 400 yards rushing a game against Gooding. They were held to 88 yards rushing. Wow. That's insane. You know, and then Gooding offensively put together two 90 plus yard drives. You know, so offensively, they were clicking. Loveland, uh, 12 catches, 198 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Atkinson, the quarterback, started the game 14 for 14 uh, passing. So, I mean, everything was clicking. And, you know, and for the people that follow high school sports, football, wrestling, for that matter, there was a moment in the game where Matthews, you know, takes the ball for Declo, comes barreling through the line and waiting for him. And we all know the Matthews wrestling pedigree waiting for him was Tate Gillette. Uh, Tate Gillette, another solid wrestler. And these two collided um, in this, just this uh, weird wrestling souffle type tackle uh, that I think just the high school wrestling sports people that saw the people involved and everything could really appreciate. And that was one of the things that kind of kept coming up to me when I were talk, when I was talking to people about this game, uh, mano y mano, two studs in the wrestling arena, just meeting on the gridiron. It was kind of cool. Now I've got a couple of other side notes that are really funny about this game. Um, it was Declos homecoming. 
and Declo had their parade at five o'clock before the game. Well, Gooding's bus arrives into town during the parade, gets caught in the parade. <laughs> so here you've got Gooding's bus going through the parade, getting booed and candy thrown at it. Um, and I can only imagine they're just eating this thing up. Um, but, uh, I mean, that was super funny. And then um, this win for Gooding was uh, Cameron Anderson's 99th varsity win. Uh, but here's the cool story. You know, uh, the Andersons are from Murtaugh, and there are two gyms in Murtaugh, and both gyms are named after Coach Anderson's grandpa. Grandpa on this side, grandpa on that side. And uh, anyway, his grandpa Anderson was a very successful football coach, uh, 141 career wins for him, and uh, a lot of them at Declo and on that Declo field. Okay, so you can kind of see where this is going. Um, and so for him to get 99 on that Declo field was kind of cool. But uh, an interesting little side story to that is when Anderson got started back in, oh, I was right around 2010, uh, there was a celebration for his grandpa and his grandpa's coaching success. And, and some of the players from his grandpa's 1945 team were there at this celebration back in like 2010. And one of them leaned over to Cameron Anderson, who just got started coaching and mentioned something about 141 wins. And he turned to Cameron and said, you've got a long way to go. <laughs> Cameron got a laugh at it, but it was something he never, ever forgot. Um, and so it's kind of been in the back of his mind. He's like, you know what? My grandpa has been my inspiration um, and, and I'm chasing him always, you know? And so that meant a lot, you know, for coach Anderson on that field. And um, it, it was kind of cool. Well, he's about two thirds of the way there. That's not bad. <laughs> no, he's, he's still a young guy. So, I mean, yeah. however long he wants to hang in there, um, Kind of cool. And a fun fact, I found out doing my research this week that uh, DECLO is an acronym, D-E-C-L-O. It's for uh, it's the last initials of the first five men to enter the post office in DECLO. And it was originally called DELCO, but they uh, the post office said they preferred the name DECLO rather than DELCO. And so they just flopped two of those letters of the founding father, so to speak, and DECLO was born. No way. Is that, that's true? What way, dude? Dude, I'm a crackpot investigator. Holy smokes. Interns are working overtime for you. This <laughs> week, Scott. I got to pay my people more. I'm telling you. Yeah. Real quick. Delco sounds like one of those shady, like shell corporations that's like laundering <laughs> money, right? It does. Cause maybe the name was already taken. I don't know. Yeah. Here at Delco, the future is tomorrow. I thought it was a battery <laughs> company, Delco, Ace Delco or something or other. It just yeah, reminds me true. of car batteries. Yeah, that's true. That's pretty cool. So, so uh, Gooding, uh, we'll host Buell this Friday night. It's Military Appreciation Night at Gooding as well. So service members or veterans get in free. They're going to have some special fundraisers as well, and they're going to donate those proceeds to the Wounded Warrior Project. So that's going to be awesome. If you can get out to Gooding this Friday night and help out a great cause and see a good football game, you definitely should do that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Declo, uh, they are going to get into conference play finally to take on a Valley team that's 0-5. So Declo, a good chance to to bounce back here. The last game we wanted to highlight was Raft River opening up conference play against Lighthouse Christian. Lighthouse now 0-4 after falling 72-26. to I think it's too big of a hole for the Lions to climb out of now for this year. Uh, and for Raft River, they just continue to look really, really good. 
Yeah, I mean, it just it shapes up to be Raptor River in Oakley. Here we go. You know, uh, just kind of rinse, repeat as far as this is concerned. But Raptor River, another dominating performance. Uh, they were firing on all cylinders here. I mean, when you hang 72 on somebody, you're doing something right. And, uh, you know, statistically, Cole Spencer was the offensive leader, 174 yards, two touchdowns, one two-point conversion. Thane Lowmiller defensively, six tackles. Seth Tracy, five tackles and an interception. You know, I mean, it was a balanced performance by Raft River because they had six guys that amassed over 75 yards of offense. So they weren't just leaning on one, two, three guys. They had six dudes uh, that had 75 yards or more of offense. And, you know, and it speaks towards their team effort, their offensive line. I mean, I mean, they have a lot of linemen, too. I mean, it was incredible when you look at a, a team like Raft River, this 1A team, how many offensive linemen they've got. It's like when you've got that kind of size, I mean, couple of fast dudes, you're going to put points on the board, you know? And so they wanted to make sure that uh, they, they kind of tipped their hat and gave a nod to the offensive line who did a fantastic job. Yeah. They're, they're uh, three linemen up front could, could start for a lot of 11 man teams in the, in the area for sure. They're, they're good up front. Uh, Oakley did shut out Murtaugh in their conference opener as well. 54, nothing. And so this week, uh, it sets up to where Raft River is going to go to Glens Ferry to play a one and two pilots team that hasn't gotten as many games because they've had a couple canceled because of illness, not in their program, but from opponents. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other big matchup is going to be Lighthouse Christian at Murtaugh as the Lions try and get that first win of the season and, and a pretty decent opportunity there. Um, the one, a D two ranks. We just want to spotlight real quick, Scott Dietrich, uh, is going to be at Butte County Friday night. That's going to be a really good matchup, and we're going to have it for you right here on IdahoSports.com. Paul Kingsbury and Logan Green will be on the call from Arco as Dietrich 4-1 and is playing up against the D1 Butte County Pirates in Arco. That game was supposed to kick off at 7 o'clock, but uh, they're still repairing the lights. Last year, the lights at the field in Arco blew over in a bad windstorm, and they're not quite ready yet. They'll be ready after this game. So that game's going to kick off at 4.30 on Friday on IdahoSports.com. A pretty good appetizer for what's going to be a good Friday night of football. Yeah, th- those games are so much fun. I remember that was it last year, the year, be- year before last, I believe, Paul and I went on that tour um, where we did – six games in three days, but they were all over the state. We just hopped in the car and we drove and we drove and Arco was one of the places that we stopped. Um, and it was a great, great venue, fun place to go, cute, fun little town. Uh, but they have a pretty dang good football team. So yeah. this ought to be a, a real strong test for Dietrich. Yeah, definitely the eight man game of the week across the entire state for sure. Uh, before we get out of here, Scott, I did want to talk a little boys' soccer. The the boys' soccer coaches poll came out today. Jerome Tiger is the new number one team in the 4A poll, so congratulations there. They had, they had a big matchup with Wood River last week. These were the top two teams in the Great Basin Conference, and, of course, they played a 0-0 tie. Yeah, you know, I mean, Wood River's a good team. They're a really good defensive team. They're an aggressive team. Um, and up in Wood River, they played at uh, Phil Homer Field, which is a smaller field. And so that's going to allow, you know, kind of those those defensive battles because you just don't have the space to move around a little bit, which which is fine. Both teams played on the same thing. Um, and Wood River in that game had a really good opportunity to score on a corner kick. Um, but Melvin Ruiz, the Jerome goalie, uh, had a fantastic save to keep, you know, Wood River off the board. And then later, Jerome hit the post on a free kick, missed that opportunity, but Pretty much that was about it. I mean, it was just two defensive teams 
smothering, being aggressive. And uh, you know what? When you look at the way that this conference is shaken up, I mean, Jerome's number one team in the state. They have tied Wood River. They have tied Canyon Ridge twice. You know, they haven't lost a game. Right. But, I mean, does that tell you the, the, the amount of talent that's in this, this conference? You know, we've seen Jerome and Canyon Ridge um, progress into the state tournament, you know, consistently over the last few years. And I don't see that being any different, you know. And Wood River, shoot, they're right in the mix too. So there's some pretty good soccer going on on the boys' side in the Great Basin. It's going to make for a fun district tournament because you can't you can't have ties, right? You got to settle it somehow. Yeah, exactly. And with all the ties going on everywhere, it's like, man, can you guys just like rock paper scissors or do something? Because man, you drive all that way just for a what we used to call them sister kissers, but <laughs> I, don't you, I don't know if you can say that anymore. But I just did. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's three ties, and so it kind of just leaves this you know unfulfilled taste in your mouth. It's like, golly, we just played a game and we didn't get anything out of it. Yeah. It'll, it'll be fascinating to watch as uh, we're getting towards the uh, the end of the regular season in soccer. I'm sure we'll be talking about the district tournament very, very soon. So uh, football still rocking and rolling, of course, and, and volleyball still in the swing of things as well. It's going to be another great weekend of action in the Magic Valley. And again, there's a lot of good teams from 4A all the way down to 1A. Uh, may, maybe pound for pound, the District 4 has got maybe the strongest teams overall across all the sports this year. I, it's uh, tough to argue against it. I mean, especially when you count the amount of one A's that we've got and a couple of strong two A's. I mean, those smaller schools are legit in football. Um, and then Minico, obviously, what are they number three right now in the four uh, A poll? Number two in the media poll is Minico. Yes. You know, so yeah, I mean, up and down, you're going to find Magic Valley teams, you know, in the rankings, and it's it's pretty cool to see. So there's some good athletes and great teams down here. Definitely exciting. Well, uh, a lot of good non-football stuff this week from Scott as well uh, about the history of Declo. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell that kind of floored you a little bit. Yeah, that's I I I I don't have the Idaho history that you have, obviously. So that was really well, good. So well, tune in next week when I uh, examine the uh, family history of Brandon Bainey. <laughs> There's a couple of nuggets for you. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast, brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. For Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey on IdahoSports.com.